When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm supposed to take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value came in, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to hate it. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the under one. Rob could pass for an Armenian. Anyways, okay, episode 335. Today. I don't know. This could be considered a Guinness Book of a World Record. For right? what? To, for, for to getting in this vault right now, okay, there's four Assyrians. Wow. Whether you like it or not, Rob, for the next two hours, you're also You're Syrian, in, Rob. Okay? Shlama, what, I, what I teach you, Shlama. Shlama, Shlama. He looks Shlama. like a Shamasha. Yeah. He, he looks like a Shlama. Shlama. Like a like with, he's just a little bald in the beard. Can, yeah, he, 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 look, he can be a deacon. He looks like he can pass. So let me let me properly introduce. You know, We've been wanting to do this for a minute, and I thought it was just great to do everybody together. So... Let, let me go through it. You already know Vinny. Vinny's the, how do I properly introduce Vinny? Vinny's one of the best looking guys I know. Vinny's face is like Pat, a Hollywood Pat, Robert Downey Jr., going. Tom Cruise, keep too going. much. I, we, we'll leave you alone. But let me, let me go through our, our two other friends here. The other one is uh, Mr. Checkmate, George Enko. Okay? <laughs> He's a great chess player. Uh, uh, here's a guy that uh, I don't know why. You like traveling. You, you don't mind traveling. You like going to places like where there's a lot of water, but you'll go. But for whatever reason, you don't like boys on islands. I don't know what it is with you. You don't like island boys. <laughs> who who wrote that for you, man? I, nobody. <laughs> who wrote that joke to for you? Me. We actually don't do any of it, right? We don't write. Uh, George is one of the coolest cats out there. He, you and I had a chance to do something together. You came here. We did a podcast. I, After you were done... I, I liked you 10 times more because of what I learned about your relationship with your pops, your family, character, values, all of that stuff. I appreciate it. But Thank funny you. guy, cool cat. We were at the, dude, what time did we wrap? It was a school night. You get 12.30, we're still at the house having a conversation together. Well, in my defense, it took a very long time to walk through your establishment. Your house <laughs> took like, and you know what's so funny? We walked into rooms, and he's like, I've never even been here before. <laughs> and I've been here for almost two years. I was like, wait, what? But here's the kicker. The reason why we're here we can always hang out. The reason why we chose to do everybody together is because of Bishop Mari, okay? And we started talking about you. And, you know, uh, Rob, for a while, you and I, we've been wanting to do something, and we wanted to make sure it was the right time. We were so glad because you're all the way on the other side. Correct. You, you, got, you got thousands of miles to travel to come here from Australia. I did. And uh, to properly introduce him, you know, one thing is for a fact, even though he's visiting the States, I think it's fair to say you will not be having dinner with Mr. Fauci. Is, is that a fair assessment to say there won't be a... Absolutely yeah. correct. Okay, so, <laughs> so Bishop Mari is uh, of the Assyrian uh, Church of the East. He's the Metropolitan Bishop of Australia and New Zealand. He was born in Baghdad, Iraq in 1967, ordained deacon in 89, and a priest in 91 was uh, 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 a bishop in 2004. Bishop Manuel is a scholar of Syriac language and literature. He has a Ph.D., uh, uh, in Syriac studies from University of Toronto and has authored several books, uh, known for his wisdom, passion. You, you, by the way, you've seen him going viral with the values and principles he stands for. It's just absolutely wonderful watching the fact that 
you have the kind of a backbone that you're not willing to just get up there and say what you're supposed to be saying. You're the example of a person who believes what the book he follows says, and you're not tolerant about wanting to break those values and principles like we are seeing right now in some of the places taking place, which we will definitely be talking about. Having said that, it's an honor to have you here. The honor is all ours. Thank you so much, dear Patrick, and uh, the beautiful uh, Assyrian brothers here that we are, uh, I'm with. I don't know. It's like a dream come true. I've uh, always, um, I've never thought that it was uh, a day going to come to, to be in this beautiful place with all of you. So I, I thank the Lord Jesus for all of you and uh, for this beautiful and priceless moment to be with you. Amen. Thank you. Trust me, I feel uh, honored to have you here, but I appreciate you, those sir. kind words. So we got a lot of things to cover, right? We got a lot of things to cover because everybody is here from a bit of a different background, but there is a common thread that we have with our background being a Syrian and our faith. You have it on your wrist right there. If someone's looking at you, you're pretty proud of where your faith is. Uh, I think even when you guys were on the podcast with Logan Paul, we'll talk about that where you would share your faith and it was a bit of a you know pushback on going back and forth, and some of the Christian communities like, wait a minute, that was kind of awkward what happened between you and him. And then Vinny, uh, uh, being who he's at, you know, military background, you know, and then from there, comedy, you've been a bunch of different things. You've done a bunch of movies, but now church, Sundays, and then here yourself as well. So Assyrians, I'll start off with you if you don't mind, Bishop. To the average person that maybe doesn't know Assyrians. When I would go to clubs in Vegas in the, in, in the Army, I know that's kind of like a weird transition from a bishop <laughs> to clubs. I'm in Nashville, and I'm going to clubs, and people would tell me, say, hey, what's your name? Patrick. So where are you from? Assyrian. Oh, you're Sicilian. No, I'm Assyrian. What? So you're Syrian. No, Assyrian. What are Assyrians, right? What do you say to people, the average person that says, what is an Assyrian? I think... Um, <clears throat> Um, when we go back to history and we call um, the word Mesopotamia out, I think that uh, says it all. Uh, Mesopotamia and Assyrian, Bithnahren, between the two rivers of Tigris and Euphrates. In a biblical sense, um, after the great flood of our father Noah, um, they went to a place called Chinar, which is, which is Mesopotamia, Bithnahren, and that's where we tried to build that Tower of Babel. So... Um, on the other hand, um, uh, you, you look at, um, at uh, the descendants of, of Noah, uh, Shem, we are the descendants of Shem, and one of his sons uh, is actually Ashur, and that's where Ashuraiah comes from. So there is a lot of history, and um, Iraq is the center and the heart uh, of all of this. Um, so when you mention that, uh, a lot of people uh, are more familiar with the history of that instead of just saying, I'm an Assyrian. Because as you mentioned, dear Patrick, they do mix it with Syrian or Sicilian. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, but when you mention Iraq, Mesopotamia, and the history behind it, um, they become sort of more, uh, oh, yes, I, I get it now. And, and you, you, are, you were born in Iraq. So when you were saying Iraq, so, so uh, George, for yourself, you know, you're, you're mainstream. You're all over the place, right? You've gone viral from Vine days. You've got billions of views. People recognize your face on what you've done. Fun, likable guy, smart at the same time, but you're also will defend your faith. When people ask you what is an Assyrian, how do you answer? What do you say? I actually, uh, it's it's kind of one of my my favorite flexes. You know, that's cool. You have a Lamborghini, but I spoke the language that Jesus Christ spoke, and I just don't think anything is cooler than that. 
And so I think that's my like my my favorite go to. I'm like, have you seen Passion of the Christ? I did not need to read the subtitle, <laughs> and uh, I just find that so cool. I like it. It's I feel like in the day that we live, the scarcity is quality, right? I mean, we just said this is a world record for Assyrians being in one room. Uh, when I was younger, I always wanted to be uh, something else because I wasn't ashamed, but I wasn't common with people. Like nobody understood where I came from. No one understood my background. So. As I grew up, I realized what a blessing it was to, to see like when people bring up the Bible and they try to say Ruchat Gotcha and they're saying it in their language and I'm like, oh, cool, this is so cool, this is my language and I don't know, I, just, I don't like to take a lot of pride in things, but that, I find that to be a really fascinating thing that we have the same dimma. Dimma, blood. Dimma's blood. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you're right about Passion of the Christ. Uh, uh, by the way, did you watch it in a movie theater? Did you did you watch the movie I in did. the theater or in, the, in DVD? Do you remember the first time you watched in the theater? I watched it in the military, in the theater. I remember. Was there was protesting going? Because the, the, the one I went to, there was protesting. No, no. This was, Yours this was, was, this was in, of all places, in Montana. People were crying. Nobody was. It was one of those moments where people are, the lights are on. People are crying. Wow. People are emotional. And I, the first thing I said, Pat, I was like, whoever Mel Gibson hired for his dialect coach, whatever she was, it was a female, nailed it. Because the majority of the movie, I was listening instead of reading. And by the way. It was the, amazing. While you're saying this, George, three and a half million Assyrians worldwide, eight billion, you know, total world population. I just did the numbers here to know that we are qualified endangered species. We so, are. folks, you may want to take a picture because this may be <laughs> and, and put it up on the board because this rarely happens. It's the, the, the odds of you running into an Assyrian is point zero zero zero. 4% of running into an Assyrian. So this is a miracle. Vinny, when somebody asks you what's an Assyrian, what do you say? Oh, man. Because um, I like I mean, what he said. You know, the fact that, the yeah, you know. Easy following up with me, buddy. Yeah, yeah well, passion <laughs> of the Christ and all that. But, uh, but, I mean, he made a really good point. Uh, when I tell him, it's always, it's I ha you have to be knowledge in Sudai, in Assyrian, yeah. to give them the report. Because how many times have you said this? Which I'm pretty sure you two, Bishop, where you go, no, I'm Assyrian. And they say, oh, so you're Syria, you're Muslim. I'm like, no, no. I am a Syrian, and then the history report of the Tigris and Euphrates River, the you know the cradle of civilization. Yeah. But then people, and it, and then I'm going to defense mode because they're like, well, dude, you guys don't even have a country. You're you're not really. And then my my proof is, I go, then how do I speak Aramaic? How, how show me how I speak the language of Jesus Christ? So then I have to go into the lineage and how Assyrians are scattered. We're basically nomads and we're everywhere. But the contributions that we did. So it goes from. History report to George nailed it, bro. I, 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 as a young person, you didn't get it. Okay, we were in church, we we're in Umrah, we we're running around. Yeah, yeah. But to sit down and really understand and soak in, they would call my father, God rest his soul, they'd call him Ninveh because he cared about Assyrians and was trying to put the word out. It's just, you know, we're at the point where we're endangered, but I guess we talked about this earlier, Pat. It's our job to keep talking about it, keep going it out, because if we don't, then who... Who and, else is going to do and it? We need to have a lot of babies. Is what we need That's to do. That's what By I'm the way, trying let, to let do. Me, let, me, let me just kind of give <laughs> you an idea. Marriage and then babies. What did Assyrians invent? If you're writing, it's because of Assyrians. Writing, literature started off by Assyrians. First library, Assyrians. Paved roads, 360-degree circle, math. The first wheel. warriors. The list of it goes on and on and on. And, and I'm Armenian and Assyrian. The other day, the, an Armenian brother was fighting an Assyrian guy, Assyrian Benil. He was supposed to be here, him and I were talking. He couldn't make it. 
And they're like, who are you rooting for? I'm like, dude, I'm half Armenian, half Assyrian. This is why my parents <laughs> got a divorce twice to each other. But, uh, but some, answer the question, who are you rooting for? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I was probably rooting for Benio because I have a relationship with him because him and I were talking. So I, 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 I was rooting for him. I don't know the other Armenian guy. Seems like a real solid fighter. But uh, Benio and I were talking. But, yeah, there's a lot of things with our uh, uh, heritage. But, again, the question comes, how come we don't have a land? So there's a few things I want to talk about today. One thing I want to talk about, what is up with the Assyrian community? That's one. Uh, there's an element of competition. You know, the older, older folks, Assyrians, don't believe. The younger people know what they're talking about. And at one point, I wanted to kind of contribute and help out, and I saw what it was being shunned away. You know, you kind of like, you don't know what you're talking about. No problem. Then I'll go do my thing with business. Then I want to talk about a little bit of faith on where we are today and then some current event issues that I have written here as well that we'll get into as well. But maybe the first thing to talk about is we can start off with the Assyrian side. You know, the Israeli, they didn't have a land for a long time. They eventually got it, okay? And now, you know, they are where they are. A lot of people went back. They're, they're workers. They're, you know, entrepreneurs. They're business people. They get criticized a lot. The world, you know, Germany tried to eliminate them and literally be face of the planet, and they didn't succeed. So eventually they were able to go back and done what they've done. But Assyrians, we have a land. It's in Iraq. You know, you saw last year or two years ago they were trying to get rid of all the art and you know, statues and stuff that we have to get rid of any of the history that we have. Why do you think the Assyrian community, and maybe you may disagree with me, why do you think the Assyrian community isn't united? Why do you think they're divided? Well, that's a very good question, and I, um, I don't know if I'm going to give it justice in a, um, in a short time. I just want to say one thing. I believe the Assyrians of our time and age, there are two things that we struggle with, and they, I believe they are the main reason why we are not being united. One, there is too much self-pride, and secondly, there is a tribal influence within the Assyrian community. For example, um, the first thing they will ask, where are you from? What is your tribal background? And if you are, for example, a, a, a Jilwaya or a Tchumnaya or Urmijnaya or Tiaraya, all these tribes are becoming really a stumbling stone for us to be really united. And even within the church perimeter, we see that is happening as well. I believe we need to just come back and say we are Assyrians, period. And that's where the unity of the nation is. Yes, I, I am proud of my heritage, of my background, of the village I was. I come from my parents, my, my grandparents. But at the same time, uh, I need to keep that identity for me personally. But on a larger scale, I am an Assyrian, and that should be the end of the story. So uh, tribal influence should not come into the play where it becomes a stumbling stone of our unity. And then they say, where are you from? Are you an Assyrian from Iraq, from Lebanon, from Syria, from Iran? Well, it doesn't matter where I come from, but I am an Assyrian. So what's the difference if I was born in Iran or Iraq or anywhere else? We are Assyrians, and that's what should really unite us and be above all. Um, so uh, we need to really focus on this and try and rectify it and solve it. Otherwise, we will always be um, going in a circle. Uh, George, you're a very well-known Assyrian. Young community Assyrians know you. People know you, period. But the young community Assyrians, they all know you, right? Within your experience in the Assyrian side, 
Have you tried? What has been your experience when it comes down to trying to unify, get together, you know, amplify the the cause, the message, the background? What's been your experience? Um, great question. Uh, tough question because sometimes you want to answer with your heart, but uh, it doesn't really nail on the ears of people that should be hearing it. But my point of view is this. First, before anything, before even my parents, it comes Christ. That goes above all. So um, with respect to this gentleman next to me, regardless of his stature, his cloth, or his badge, if he goes against my God, the, I, I humbly try to convince him otherwise. I think being humble has kind of been eliminated. And when he was talking about pride, I very much agree with him. There's a lot of pride. Um, I was reading I was reading Mark yesterday in the St. Mark in, in the gospel, and I found something really fascinating. Judas was the disciple that basically crucified Jesus. He sold him out for the world. But if you look at the scripture, Christ treated Judas the same way he treated the other disciples, even though he knew this gentleman was the one who was wrong. He was the, he was the one that wasn't going to reap what he sowed. You, if you understand what I'm saying. I think what happened was there's a division. There's the people that move with pride. And they're like, no, no, no. Assyrians traditions first, and then the gospel. And then the people that are fighting for the gospel, they, they're fighting with no love. They don't want any understanding. They want no compassion. And so if I sit there with haughty eyes looking at an Assyrian man being like, look at all what you've done is wrong. I got to remember that what I measure that man, God will measure me. And when God came down, he didn't come with his finger in his face being like, you guys are wrong, you're out of here. He led with an example. And I wanted to part from my church because there was a lot of things that I saw my church do that I, I felt like wasn't acceptable. And then I went to this church and this church had problems. And then I went to this church and then this church had problems. And then I realized a house that is divided cannot stand, but there is no house that is not divided. And so what happens is Satan, regardless of, what this gentleman does, say this gentleman right here before me, God does use him and he builds a beautiful church. But then when he passes away, Satana, and that's Satan in Assyrian, will come through another man and he will make himself a board member or he'll hold the money and he'll make decisions that are corrupted. That doesn't blame him and I don't blame my umta for it or ita. But I do want to have people to stop being scared of holding people accountable. If this gentleman was running my church, I am going to listen to him because God gave him permission to run my church and I will honor him. But if I see him step out of line of the true commander, I'm not going to disrespect him and embarrass him in front of his people. But I'm going to pull him aside and be like, hey, like, this is saying this and that, but we're doing this and this. Why is that? And I think if you come from love and come with an understanding of a heart, mm -hmm. then I think we can have a conversation but I think our, our bloodline are warriors, so they want to fight first, plant their flag, and then show love. But that's the exact opposite of what God did. He came with love, and then that planted his flag. What's, what's, what's prompting you to go there first? Because did you, did you have an experience where uh, uh, that happened with an Assyrian church that's put that uh, bitter taste in your mouth? 
Yeah, but it's it's not. And I, I don't mean a specific example. I'm just wondering. It sounds like you've gone through it before. Yeah, it is. But it isn't just my Assyrian church. It's every church, right? I think when a man becomes a man, he thinks everything he knows is correct, right? But then he grows to be wiser. Like, you're probably wiser than you were five years ago. So you would probably doubt half of the opinions you've made. So when I came, uh, I was there. And I would love to get into this and understand your point of view because you are more educated in, in the scripture than I am. But, mm-hmm. for example, um, I didn't understand fasting to saints, didn't understand it. It's against our gospel. Um, and there's only one mediator between God and me, and it's Christ. And so I was talking to a gentleman, and he told me, um, I think he got overwhelmed. I will give, I'll give him this. I think he was overwhelmed because I knew the scripture very well. And he says, who are you to speak to God alone? And, I, and that kind of threw me in a loop. But then I realized that what happened was he became prideful, and I became prideful. And Satan had a field day with both of our hearts. It did, no one came to the table with the understanding of what does God want first? And I think that's what we need to do. There's a Bible verse that I, I love, that I love to explain to people because I have conversations with people that view God differently, right? In the book of um, Jonah, when he was on the boat and everyone was freaking out because there was apparently a God who was very upset. And they're like, whose God is mad at them? They all prayed to their God. But eventually they knew whose God was real. And I think that's all it needs. I think a lot of people want to put it in their hands when it really should be given to God's hands. And so if your church in your eyes is wrong or your home is wrong, for example, if Bobby, my father, if he's wrong, I have no jurisdiction or right to go above my father and say, Dad, you're wrong. But I could lead with an example. And then I could ask my God to soften his heart and open his eyes and his ears. But I would never disrespect my father, one, in front of people, ever. What is the outcome? What, what is the outcome, uh, Bishop Mari? What is the outcome of what Assyrians should strive for? Meaning, um, for example, right now what's going on in America, you know, America's losing its identity, right? What it was, who it was, too soft. It forgotten that we became what we became because America was favored by God. And maybe we've lost that favor, arrogance, whatever it may be. What should be the Assyrian community's vision to unify behind? Is it to get the land back to Assyrians? What, what should be the vision of the Assyrian community? I, um, I agree with why beloved George, what he said. Um, God is the, is the unifier, definitely. Before we go and speak about getting the land back, we need to focus on getting our children back because they are our home. They are our country. What's the point of getting a piece of land, but I don't have the people that will live there and make a good use of that land? I need, as, a, as an Assyrian nation, we go back in history. However, we came to know Christ from a very, very long time. And the Church of the East is one of the earliest churches really after Jerusalem that embraced the Lord Jesus and Christianity came. Um, Saint Adde and Saint Mary were, uh, Saint Adde was the one who was actually sent by the Lord Jesus to King Abgar Okama, uh, which is now known Turkey, current Turkey, but that was part of all the Assyrian nation. Um, So when they embraced Christianity, and being the nation that speak, spoke and still speak the Aramaic language, the Lord's 
the Lord's language till now. All our church services are in Aramaic. Um, so when they embrace that Christianity, um, it's been embedded in us for over 2,000 years. We cannot deny this fact that we need to go back and acknowledge Christ as the head of this nation. You see, if we do not have the fear of God, we will not have the fear of one another. And what I mean by fear is that love. We are missing true, genuine love. True, genuine love is missing in us. When I say to Patrick, to George, to, to Vinny, that you are my brothers in Christ and I love you, I need to mean it. I need to be genuine in it when I say it in front of you or behind your back. It should be the same way. Character is missing in here. So I need to build a generation that is God-fearing. And this God is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is what our nation is missing, both in the church and on a secular sort of uh, part of it. Um, I don't know, but unfortunately, and I don't know, I'm, I may sound a little bit maybe blunt here, so I do ask for forgiveness if I, you know, sound any offensive here. But from a, a church point of view, being a, a bishop in the church, um, the focus is not on the Lord Jesus 100%. I won't say it, the focus is not there totally, but there is a huge percentage the focus is not on Christ. Christ, when you look at him, the first thing that we need to learn is humility. Because humility is the key to success. Again, as a nation, um, when I see someone who is an Assyrian and is successful in whichever field they are, I should be very proud to have an Assyrian who is successful in that field instead of um, maybe challenging that person or trying to go against that person, I rather need to be supportive and encouraging others to support that person because the success of one is, should be the success of everyone. This is what's missing in us as well. We are not supportive of one another. We are not encouraging others to come on board. Everybody is seeking their own throne, their own empire, their own prestigious life, their own fame, their own rank, their own position, their own title, their own stars. But hang on a second. If we are speaking at a collective level, let's assume for a moment we are in this boat and the boat is sinking. Does it really matter if I'm the captain or just a normal, simple uh, sailor? When the boat sinks, guess what? Everybody's going down. The ocean does not differentiate between the captain who is in charge and who is not. We need to come together and salvage the situation. We need to try everything possible to make sure this boat doesn't sink because when it goes down, everybody goes down. This is the problem. I believe our focus is not in a collective way. It is in an individualistic way. And individualism is weak. Individualism is weak. Now, the language of love is we, but the language of selfishness is I. When the disciples ask the Lord Jesus, teach us on how to pray, the Lord's Prayer 
in Matthew 6, 9 and Luke 11, 3. The Lord immediately said, every time you pray, you say, our Father. He taught, the, by the way, he taught the, the prayer in the Aramaic language. And the Aramaic language is the informal language. At the time of the Lord Jesus, mm. the formal language was Hebrew and the informal was Aramaic, meaning at home, in the streets, in the shops, they used Aramaic. But the formal language in the synagogues and any government official bodies was the Hebrew language. So whenever the Lord entered the synagogue, he needed to speak in Hebrew. But with the disciples on the way to Galilee and other parts of Israel, he spoke Aramaic to them. So when he taught the prayer, he said, every time you say, you say, Abon d'bashmeyo or Awun d'bashmeyo, depending on the dialect, whether it's Eastern or Western. Um, but he started with the Our Father, the pluralistic language. See, I could be standing in my room alone and I will still speak the plural language and I'll say Our Father. I'll never say My Father because My Father is kind of powerful. selfish. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. So, for example, um, the President of the United States of America, mm -hmm. whenever he stands and gives a talk, he will never use the singular format. He will, he will always say we. Well, how many of you? It's only me. But the position you hold is the superpower of the world. So when you speak in a language that is powerful, it is reflective of the position you hold. There is power in unity and there is weakness in division. God is the God of unity. Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the King of Peace. I wrote a few things down here. You said a lot. And George, I, I, I kind of got where you're going as well. What is the difference between Assyrians and Jews? Assyrians have been around a thousand years before Jews, right? Uh, when I talk to my Jewish friends, you know, I tell this story about the first time in my life I saw $6 million cash. Yep. A guy who was running a very successful business in, in uh, Valley, California. I said, why is it that Jews are so successful in business? He says, because when one makes money, five make money. Yes. He says, all the other ethnicities, when one makes money, only one makes money. Mm. He says, this is why we're always united. We 100%. are so strong. Watch this. I'm uh, working with these uh, group of uh, uh, Mormons in this one company, and uh, uh, this movie comes out called Napoleon Dynamite. And they come back from the theater on Monday, and they're telling me, you know, Napoleon Dynamite's going to win an Oscar. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So they said, John Heater may be one of the greatest actors of all time. Yeah. So I'm a movie guy. I go to the movies on, you know, that next week and I watch. I said, this is one of the worst movies I've seen in my life. <laughs> Why did you say this is the greatest movie of all time? They didn't want to tell me anything. Yeah. That guy's a Mormon. That guy right there is a Mormon. So I'm like, okay, you don't play the clip because YouTube will take it and do it. So to us, you're like, okay, you guys are very united. Mormons, united. Jews, united. Muslims united. Yes. God forbid you say something about Muhammad. They are very united. Why is it when you see these communities being united, why are Assyrians so much, you know, an element of division? And especially with a civilization that's been around for a thousand years. So that's been around a thousand years more than, you know, Jews, give or take yeah. the numbers. Yeah. Shouldn't we have a land? Shouldn't we be together? What is the difference between Assyrians and Jews? That goes to all of you guys. But Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, I believe if I, if we were to put two people in the same situation, you'll always see there is an outcome different to the other. I remember there was once, uh, they showed on television back in Australia in Sydney, uh, two twin brothers, two twin brothers. Um, one, was an, one ended up being an alcoholic, 
The other one was a very successful businessman. Mm -hmm. They interviewed both. And look at what they said, twin brothers. The alcoholic one, they said, why did he end up being an alcoholic? He said, my dad was an alcoholic. And that's all I knew growing up. I became like dad. The other one, they said, well, why did he become a successful businessman? He said, when I saw my dad the way he was, I decided for myself, whatever happens, I will never end up like dad. I'll make sure I will be totally different to prove to my dad that I can make it if you couldn't. Mm -hmm. The problem with us is we need to use our heads, not our emotions. Sometimes we become too emotional with things where we need to be more um, logical with things. Now, what does it, as the Lord Jesus said, what does it benefit a man if he gains the whole world and then loses himself at the end? I cannot be selfish. Why? Because what have I gained by being selfish? I just want to be successful for me, rich for myself. Um, I need to make it to the shores of peace on my own. What am I going to benefit if I enter paradise alone, paradise without people with me? I don't think it's a really happy place to be. I need to take people with me. So I need to think and use my head. What am I gaining if the whole world is just looking at me and yet my brothers and sisters in Christ and the Assyrian nation are left behind? I look at it now, for example, as a Christian in the church, People come in the hundreds and the thousands and they say, Bishop, we love you, this and that, and they bow and respect and, and all, the, all the rest of it. But then I'm sitting on that high throne. Okay, what am I gaining by sitting on that high throne? Yet I have my own people, my own flesh and blood suffering, uh, being persecuted all over the world. What am I doing about this? What What is this uniform going to do and the throne that I sit on going to do for me if my son, my daughter, my brother, my sister, my father, my mother are left in the street? I'm I'm a loser. Even if I'm the Pope, I'm a loser. Christ is the ultimate. Christ is the ultimate. You know, when we talk as church leaders, on earth we need to be street beggars. We need to be street beggars, not kings. Kingship will come in the next life by the grace of God. But on earth I need to be a street beggar. I need to walk in the footprints of the Messiah. When they asked the Lord Jesus, do we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Do we pay taxes to Caesar or not? The Lord Jesus said, give me that denarii, show me that denarii. And he asked them, he said, whose image and writing is imprinted on this coin? They said, Caesar. Well, he said, then render what is Caesar's to Caesar and what is God's to God. He said, how come you people realize this is Caesar's image and you've known this is Caesar's image, therefore this coin belongs to Caesar since it's his image imprinted on it. And yet you have failed to realize whose image is imprinted on you. Isn't it God's? Genesis 1.26, let us go down and make man in our image according to our likeness. I didn't come seeking your pocket. I came seeking your hearts. 
I came seeking that image which was imprinted on you from the very beginning, which is the image of God. Love is the supreme ethic. This is what we're missing. You see, in the church, in order for me to remember my afflicted brother and sister, my son in Christ, my daughter in Christ, in order for me as a church leader to remember them, and not only remember them, to get up from that high throne and high place and be humble and go in that street and sit at the gutter and share the meal with that afflicted person, the only way I can do this when I see myself as a father, not as a leader. But, but okay, so and I and I agree, but the question becomes, does God favor Jews more than Assyrians? Did, no. did, did Assyrians lose favor of God even though they've done all the stuff that they've done? Was God kind of sitting there saying, uh, go ahead, George. Do you, just, do you understand the question I'm asking? Yeah, I want to piggyback off of what he said. He, he brought up Matthew, and it was a beautiful verse when he says, what is Caesar's and what is God's? But if you continue that Bible verse, he says, so that we don't offend them, go to the pond, and then there'll be a fish with a coin in its mouth. And I found that beautiful. He is the God of heaven and in earth. But his first step was to not offend. Because once you offend somebody, they stop listening to you. And once they stop listening to you, they only listen to Satan. Because then they're not listening to the gospel anymore. So when you said, why is Assyrians not favored anymore? And also you said, we're made in the image of God. And how God created is by first speaking out into things. Before Jesus was Jesus, he was the word, and then he became the flesh. That's powerful. That means that there's power in your tongue. So we shouldn't be having four mics and four Assyrians and saying, why are Assyrians so troubled? Why are they so bad? Why are they so broken? Every ethnicity is. There's just less of us. So if we're going to lead with example, we got to give more, not praise, because that's, it could lead in the wrong direction. But say our church did fail us. Say our people did fail us. <clears throat> well, God has blessed us with four microphones that's reaching millions of people. So instead of looking at what our ancestors did that broke... I don't think that's what we're doing. What, what I'm doing here is I'm asking a question to say, if, 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 you're running a, if anything you run with business or company or a sports team or military, and you say, this company's been around for this many years longer, we have this many more patents, we have this many more successes, we have this many more things... Why why is the company bankrupt today? I think and you if, think I if, was coming at you in in a in a way where I think you were coming down on our people. I wasn't at all. What I was saying is that I don't think God left favor, but I think what happens in business is there's up times and there's down times. And I think right now is a good moment for us to be up because we have very powerful positions. I do agree that our church may have gone the wrong direction. I do agree that our people are lost, and I do agree our, we don't have a land. Yeah, so, so then what is that, though? So, so if let's just say, it, it, you know, Assyrians are going to be watching this, whether different age categories, different backgrounds, different financial situations they're in, from different parts of the world. They're going to be listening yeah. to this. And they're probably in the same place when they're going and explaining somebody that I'm an Assyrian, like, what is an Assyrian? They're probably going through the same thing. There's three and a half million of us, right? A lot of Assyrians I know, they're workers, they're value-based people, they get things done, they're good fathers, they value family. They're, these are all things that you ought to value to have in your community. If you live in a community with Assyrians there, you probably like these Assyrians. You probably like spending time with them. You probably like your kids being with their kids and going over to their house. I'm asking a bigger question. 
I, I, I don't, uh, you know, to me, small things are great. I, I want to solve for big things, and big things would be, you know, when I'm having a crown prince here and we're having a conversation about how to create democracy in Iran, how do we do that? I want to take my kids back to Iran and show them, hey, here's where I was raised. I'm a Syrian, and I'm Armenian, and I was born in Iran, and I was made in America. So to me, those four places matter to me a lot. Yes. Why, why don't, what do Syrians need to do? Is it really truly faith first? And let's just say if it is, then what is it? What needs to be next, and what is that goal? Look, as I'm going back to that like real example between the two twin brothers, why did this one decide it to be like that and the other one totally opposite to that? Mm. I, I believe uh, experiences in life should be a very, very uh, valuable lesson for all of us. So we need to learn from the successes and the failures, and we all go through successes and failures. And, and speaking as, as a nation, all nations do go through that. But the thing I pray for uh, our Assyrian nation is to learn from the experiences of life in the past and try to come up with a better way of making the future more brighter for the whole nation. Um, until now, I don't think we have reached that level uh, to say that we have learned from our failures in the past to try make a, a, a better future and a, a more successful future. We still have divisions uh, within within our na nation. We still have divisions with our, with, within our own church as well. So how can then we have a land when we are really divided and, and so many factions? It is impossible, impossible. So we need to come back and, re and say, until when are we going to remain in division? Until when? As you mentioned, dear Patrick, earlier, our beloved Jews, okay, when it comes to nationalism, they all are united. They all come into it, and they need to support their nation, their country, their, their identity. Mm -hmm. We need to do the same thing, but we are still fighting over trivial things that are really not worth you know, spending that time on. We need to move away from that haunting past where it's bringing more and more division, and we need to find a way to come into unity and say, this is the way we need to do it. But what are we and solving I, for, though? What are we, I guess what I'm trying, for example, uh, on the Armenian side, they're super united. Yes. Not 100%. They still yeah. have the Armenian from Lebanon, Barskaha, Yerevan, see all this, but they're yeah. united. Armenians are united, Correct. right? Correct. Um, you know, uh, 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 when it comes on to the Assyrian side, what dream are we selling? What are we pursuing? Because if there's not a dream, then say somebody that's in political power, they don't know how to help. They don't know how to contribute. Say somebody's a military leader and they're Syrian. They don't know how to help. They don't know how to contribute. Say somebody's in a Hollywood or media space. They don't know how to. What am I? Con what is the vision? What are we doing? What vision are we selling? For like, even if we were to call a meeting together and we brought the top 100 most influential Assyrians together in the yeah. same room, great. What are we solving for? What should be the vision? Is it just let's all come together and, you know, be aligned with God and, you know, work together as a team? Or should there be something to say, no, here's the vision. Why don't we aim at that, 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 that as the Assyrian vision? That's kind of where I'm going with this. Go ahead. Uh, in the scripture, it says, and I only bring up scripture because I know the people that are listening are, uh, are, or dedicated listeners are going to be Assyrians, right? And I want to speak uh, the language that we all understand, and it's the gospel. Um, seek first the kingdom, and the rest shall follow. Amen. Okay, so if we all unite who Christ is, then we could use these as blocks. And remember, Jews are very powerful, but they didn't have Jerusalem. 
they lost that. And then, then that got it back. So what I believe is that if we all as good children are united, then the father will reward the children. Amen. But I think that if the children are divided, you have children. And you know what I love? My favorite part about spending time with you is I even asked Andrew Tay, I, I brought up who are the three top fathers that you think? And I brought you up because I truly, when I looked at the way you ran your house, I asked God, if I could do half of this man's work, then I'll be good. My children will be set. But in the very, very, very beginning of any household and anything is who's in charge? Who is in charge? I agree. Yep. And I think what's happening is yep. so many people Myla, that shouldn't be in who is charge. It? I'm Adi Myla. Who is, who is it today? Who's in charge? Allaha. Bedayan. Yep. No, no, but that's what it should be. Yeah, 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 I understand yeah. you're saying Allah. I agree. God is in charge. Totally get it. But now, who is that spokesperson for the Assyrian community Boom. to bring them together? Exactly. I don't know. The thing is, again, the tribal influence. We've got a problem. You see, um, that any human being cannot be free from earthly um, things until they come into this encounter with the true divine God. We need to come back to Jesus Christ of Nazareth as a nation. I believe this. Now, some people may disagree with me. Some people within the Assyrian nation may not even believe in the Lord Jesus as being God. But whether you accept it or not, this is the truth, my dear friend, my dear brother, my dear sister. We need God in our life in order to unite first as people, then to seek a place for these people. Can I challenge? Can I challenge that mindset? Sure. Okay. I have a lot of uh, 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 Jewish friends who they're, they're, they'll say they're Jewish, right? Yes. I don't know if you like, they're not, yes, I'm yes. kind of like Jewish, and they'll do this thing, right? But will they go back and serve their country? Yes. Will they go back and do this? Yes. There's a lot of people that serve this country and love America, and they're not Christians. There's a lot of people that, you know, love the red, white, and blue, and they're, you know, maybe a different denomination or a different faith. And I get that. But there is not 100% of the community is going to be all behind Team Jesus. That's not going to be 100%. There's going to be some that have pride behind their country, pride behind their land, pride behind their blood. You know, then you know what? Get out of here. You're not going to be part of the crew because you can still contribute to the, to the thing. Yeah. So maybe the vision's got to be multifaceted. Maybe it's got to be, hey, of course, at the end of the day, if this is going to happen, it's going to happen because God's hand over the people and he's going to want to make sure this becomes a reality. Correct. But by the way, you know, Assyrians uh, seized, they, they were in power. They, they ruled for 19 centuries, yeah. right? 600 B.C. is the last time we had land. That is 2,600 years ago. We've been on a slump for a long time. <laughs> Our quarterly earnings have been pretty terrible yeah, for a long time, not right? Doing well. So, yes. all I'm saying is, can we like bring back a little bit? Let's let's have one company go public. Let's do some things here that we can start winning again. I don't know if it's just. And by the way, I think faith is going to be a conversation I'm going to go to next. Yes. What I is just winning? Know what is Look, that? I, what's winning? Because winning here with like materialistic things or having a great company or great churches or great running. Because I know a million churches that have millions of people and that millions of dollars, but I guarantee you they're going to have a problem. Financial. I'm not talking financial. What I mean winning to me is uh, 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 like, for example, right now, Jennifer and I are talking and she says, hey, babe, kids are learning Armenian right now. Yeah. And I love it. Okay, they're coming in. They're talking to me in Armenian and my wife's white (laughs) and she cares about my kids speaking Armenian. 
And she says, babe, should we have the kids learn Farsi next or Assyria next? Uh, which community is bigger? I said, babe, it's not even a question. Like, Persian community is bigger. But you know what? I want the kids to learn Assyrian. Okay. So let them learn Assyrian. Now, if we, winning to me is unified, if we can go and bring our power together, our influence together, and we have a common vision we've all agreed on that we're going to, now you can say from the pulpit. Now you can say from your podcast. Now this person can say it from their military base. Now that guy can say it from the comedy stage. Now this guy can say it from a movie. That guy can say it from an acceptance speech. This guy can say it from this place, from business. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. We have to collectively bring all our resources to tell the world, here's what we're doing, get the backing of it, and then use whatever resources we can bring to the table to go win. Winning will be... We got land. There's representation. Here's how it's being protected. Here's what we're going to be doing. That's what I mean by it. I think it's fair to say it's better if Assyrians get a country, right? We would like to have our own land. Absolutely. That would be an element of winning. I remember back in in 2000, I I went with my, I call my earthly mother, and may God rest her soul in peace. She she moved on this year in in June. So, um, and may God have have, uh, mercy on all all, all the departed souls. We went to Iran because uh, from my mother's side, uh, um, uh, there, is, there is one side which is Urmijnai, which is uh, from Iran. So we went to Urmi and we visited the villages uh, around Urmi. And we went to this village called Satluwa. Now in Satluwa, we were walking in those beautiful uh, little villages, alleys, and then people were standing just outside. And I heard this family speaking in Assyrian. And they greeted us in Assyrian, Shlam Alokhun, please do come in. You know, the very um, hospitable uh, people. So, and then we walked further, and then another family again spoke in Assyrian, and another family in Assyrian. I was still very young, and then for the first time ever, it hit me so beautifully. And I said, I asked a question. uh, I said, how come all these people speak Assyrian? He said, well, the entire village are Assyrian-speaking people. They're all Assyrians. It felt at home, honestly. I must say it felt at home. I was so, so happy, so, so happy because I've never experienced that ever, ever, ever before. Imagine all your neighbors are Assyrians. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. But above all, imagine this neighbor has the love of God and the fear of God. What we are lacking, dear Patrick, is leadership in our nation, is leadership. And as George uh, sort of addressed this, who is in charge? This is the problem of us. We, if someone comes and says, let's, let's elect this person to be the spokesperson of the entire Assyrian nation, they will say, well, how come you selected this one? How come not that one or me? Why is, this, why is he from this tribe? This is a stranger. Again, I've, I've witnessed this. I've seen this. I've lived this. Tribal influence, whether we like it or not, is a reality, and it's a haunting reality, I must say. Even within the church circle, even within the church mm-hmm. circle, if I am, if the majority are from this particular tribal background, they have to rule. And if someone else who is more worthy, maybe, he is more qualified, not worthy, more qualified to be in that position, but he is not from that tribe, which is the majority in that particular church, they will never, ever give him that opportunity to take that leadership role where he could have done wonders and miracles if he had been appointed there. 
tribal influence, unfortunately, is a hindrance and a big one Dang. in so, our. So, so now, so that's exactly where I was trying to get to. I'm tr- yeah. I'm trying to find out what is uh, uh, hindering. So maybe one of them could be tribal influence that within that tr- small tribe, however big it may be, somebody's at the top and they don't want to relinquish or give up their yep. power and authority yep. and influence that they have over their people. That's a weakness. That's that's a uh, bit of a weakness. But think about it, Pat. Do you, do you think right now, if right now they just said, and I'm just I'm just naming a name, George, we're going to have George finally, because we talked about it in here, we, we put all the pieces in order, we're going to have George speak for the Syrian people, we need a leader, and we're going to go around George. It would never, They're just like the bishop said, they're going to eat him alive. This side's going to say this. This side's going to say that. It's almost as if, and I've heard this before, Bishop. I'm pretty sure you have and you have too, that just Assyrians were just, in the Bible, we're just not meant to be here. We're not, you know, we're doomed. And it's written that we're not supposed to have a land and we're not supposed to have anything. That's what people are going to say and that's exactly what we're going to do. I have hope. I have faith in God. I'm not as deep in the scriptures as you guys are, but it's like, it's like, and you've taught me more than anybody, not not to be hopeless, you know, have faith. There's, there, there is a chance, but with the way that Assyrians are, with that, that tribal, that anger, that thing, it, 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 it's almost to me, it's like impossible to think that, that they'll pick one to do it, yeah, I, th- I think I think this isn't sequencing is what I'm thinking. Uh, uh, if done in the right sequence, the first sequence is bring up the conversation. Okay, then let small communities all talk to each other tonight during dinner. Hey, Dad, why do you think this? Hey, Mom, why do you think this? Hey, bro, why do you think this? Hey, let me tell you, these guys were talking about this here and the other day. They said, what do you think about what he said? Okay, so that's step number one. Let them have the conversation. But then two is... If, if there is somebody selling what makes the Assyrian blood unique and you're selling that over and over and over again, then what does that create? That creates pride. Then when there is pride, and that happens through affirmations and of selling the dream constantly of why you need to have pride in your background, then there needs to be a meeting. Then that meeting needs to be trying to find a way to, hey, Let's unify, let's simplify, let's multiply. It works in business, it works in uh, religion, it works in media, it works in YouTube. Unify everybody, let's simplify message, and let's go multiply and tell everybody else about it. And what's the vision? Here's the vision. This is what we're doing. Great. Ready? Boom, 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 break. Let's go. Boom. And then everyone is selling that, and collectively, people can come together and fight for something. But the idea of saying, you know, I, it'll never happen. I don't know about this. I don't know about that. Well, then guess what? You keep saying that. You're right. It's not going to happen. But for me, I'd like to see uh, uh, the the first conversation starts off with the uncomfortable conversation of why are we here? And then let's see where we go from there. You know, um, sorry. No, please. please. Um, dear Patrick, I believe when we when I mentioned earlier that we lacking leadership, like for example, if a father at home, the father needs to be the servant of that household. He, he cannot be the dictator of that household. He needs to lead by example. How do I teach my children to be faithful, to be um, uh, you know, morally sound and all that? I need to lead by example. The problem with us as Assyrians, we have mis- we lack that trust of that leadership. Maybe there has come leaders in the past, but there was no leading by example. That's why that trust is also broken. You see, um, as I said, we are a broken re- nation. We are shattered. We are scattered everywhere. Recently, we just visited three uh, different countries, Turkey, 
Lebanon and Syria. And we've met a lot of Assyrian people in these three countries. That was back in September of this year. Um, when we went to this particular city, the person whom we have been dealing with uh, back in Sydney and, you know, sending whatever support we could send by the grace of the Lord, um, when he greeted us at the airport, he said, Bishop, in, you are the first bishop in 100 years to enter the city. We have never seen a bishop ever coming to the city and just saying hello. We're not seeking financial support. We're not saying, so-and-so leader, please bring us money. We need money. No, we, we need love. We need a leader that is thinking of us. We need a leader that is coming to us. Whether I am in the street, whether, wherever I am, I want to see my leader to be hands-on. I want to see my leader walking the streets barefooted. I want to see my leader leading me in that. This is what we are lacking. Now, for a leader to go there for the first time in 100 years, that is disastrous. That is disastrous. All glory to the Lord Jesus. If there is a sinner, it is me. But my heart is broken, is shattered. As a Christian Assyrian, and I will say Christian Assyrian, because the only time I will be a proud Christian when Christ is the crown of my glory. This is the dilemma. I'm sorry, but this is the truth. And I'm not sorry for it. We need to come back to Jesus Christ. Because who sent me to that city? It was the Lord Jesus. Who reminded me of my brethren that are suffering? It was the Lord Jesus. Who made me to walk the distance it was the lord not me not my earthly father not my earthly mother it is jesus christ of nazareth who said to me go and seek those who are missing forgotten afflicted left behind it's the lord we are missing this in our leadership roles the fear of the lord is the beginning to wisdom. That's the Aramaic language. Which it can be translated as well. The foundation. The foundation uh, of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Because the beginning here means the foundation. Mm. Now, now, as a leader, you need to be the foundation. But guess what? The foundation is the one that carries the entire structure. The foundation is the one that is unseen. You see, when you look at a house, when you look at a beautiful tree, you'll stand and contemplate on that tree and you say, what a beautiful tree. Look at the branches, look at the leaves, look at the, look at the fruits. But all this beauty was made possible by the hidden roots underneath that ground. It is the roots. And this is why St. Paul puts it so beautifully. He says, children, no matter how smart, how wise you are and successful, do not forget you are the fruits, and the fruits do not carry the tree. It is the roots who are the parents who carry this tree. Again, coming back, as George mentioned, who is in charge? And whoever is in charge need be hidden, i.e. self-denial. The problem with our leadership, whether as a nation or as a church, the moment we sit on that throne, we think we are Augustus Caesar. Listen, my dear friend, that throne of being a patriarch, of being a bishop, that throne is the throne of being the servant of all, not the leader of all in the sense of controlling. The problem with our nation, we do not have enough 
humble leaders. We do not have enough God-fearing leaders. I'm not saying we don't entirely. No, we do. But there is not enough of mm -hmm. them. And unfortunately, this is the dilemma of our people. Uh, Assyrian people, I have to be honest, Assyrian people are very kind-hearted people, are very generous people. They, they, they sacrifice. When we ask for help, they come out, and even if they don't have, they'll do their ultimate best to give. Very generous people. This is in our blood, in our DNA. Compared to other nationalities, with all love and respect, I've seen it. Very generous people. But they lack trust in their leadership. Um, beautifully said. Um, I want to bring it back to Judaism because they have a great nation right now. It's very strong. But before, remember, even before King David was the king, they kept falling. I mean, think about when Moses, it was supposed to take two weeks, but it took 40 years because what happened is the people left God's will. They said, hey, I know you gave us the example. I know you gave us the commandments, but we'd rather worship this rock. Um, so the reason why me and him are standing saying first comes our relationship with God because we are God's people, right? If we are asserting the first things that we say is, oh, we, are, we speak the language Jesus Christ spoke, all of our claims is having to do with Christ, then we better act accordingly because we can't misrepresent him. Then he can't, as the CEO, he doesn't even want to step in because he's like, you guys are representing me the wrong way. That's one. Two, I'm very new. I'm the youngest one here. And I, I, it, it's very troubling when I speak because I don't have, uh, I might have wisdom from the gospel, but I don't have time. And I think a lot of time is necessary because you make the mistakes, you learn from them. But the one thing that I've learned is I disagree with you. I'm going this direction and I'm bringing everybody with me. Hmm. I disagree with you, Pat. I'm taking everything that you taught me and you gave me and you loved me. I'm bringing it this way. That's only the devil. Only the devil wants to tear something up. If you brought me this uh, platform and it's the moment that I have power and I use it to beat you over the head with it and leave, that's an evil move. So if I was um, that had darga or anything represented in my church, what I realize is this. When you read the scripture, Jesus is moving around and he's moving or he's moonwalking past the Pharisees and the, and the scholar holders. Why? Because he's not offending and he's not going against them. He's playing by their rules and still managing to destroy them. Every day they wake up. What did Jesus do today? Did he do something that we could stone him with? And he moonwalks past them because he's not offending and he's not separating. He's just leading with example. So if I was a man that's in the church and I'm noticing that it's wrong, I'm not going to go say, hey, gather, gather. Today, we're going to be against them. We need to show them that they're wrong. Let's take everybody, take your families, take your money. Let's break this house. Let's go over here. Or we could, ready for this? When the king wanted to stone Jesus, he couldn't because the people saw him as a prophet. They were scared of the people, not the soldiers. They were scared of their libba more than they were of their weapons. They were scared. They thought John the Baptist came back to life. They were paralyzed. Amen. So what happened is the power got removed from the people and went to Darga. And people started getting scared of the man on the pulpit versus the man in charge. But if we have 
four microphones. We have a man who's with Darga. We have a man who's Patrick by David. We have Vinny. We have all of these powerful things. We Instead of separating, which I don't think anybody here is doing. This is just me speaking yeah, yeah. out loud. If we are going to take a step, it's first and foremost, know who God is. Second, don't offend anybody. Lead with example. And third, get the power back to the people and not the kings. I think it's mathematically impossible to choose to do the impossible without offending people. I think it's mathematically impossible to choose to unify thinking you need 100% of people to be on the same page. You don't. Oh, no, no, I no. I just don't. There's a difference from trying to offend Patrick versus I'm going to do this, and if it offends you, I'm going to dust my feet and leave. No, no, no. It's not what I'm yeah. saying. But yeah. what I'm saying is whenever you want to do something big, you and this is not easy to do. Like what we're talking about here is not an easy thing to do. We can we can transition. I Maybe got our children of, will do it, but the conversation started. Yeah, I I agree. But I think in, in doing anything big, you're going to offend some people to want to do that. Okay. Correct. So George, just this is a question for you, and I'm curious to know what you're going to say about this. So Americans under 30 don't trust religion. Okay. Uh, this this study just came out. Young Americans, particularly Gen Z and the young millennials, and increasingly disaffiliating from organized religion with up to 40% of categorizing themselves as nuns, a term encompassing atheist, agnostic, and those no specific religious affiliation. Many of these young adults prefer to identity as nothing in particular, reflecting their reluctance to align with a defined religious worldview. This formative distrust is attributed to the experience of growing up during periods of political turmoil where institutions and processes were increasingly criticized and questioned, factors contributing to this dissatisfaction, uh, this uh, affiliation from organized religions amongst young uh, adults include uh, evolving views on the issues like abortion, LGBTQ acceptance, and the role of women in churches. Okay, so that's that part. Now, having said this, you were one of the three characters on the Impulsive podcast. It's yourself, Mike, and uh, uh, Logan Paul, right? And it's the three of you. And you guys were, there was a very good combination between the three of you. I didn't know you were a Syrian until somebody said, you know, George Enko's a Syrian. I'm like, oh, he says, oh, no way. That's cool. And then he started talking about your faith. I think it was July 19, 2020, uh, 2021. Uh, uh, you uh, uh, are having a conversation. Let me see if this is the one. No, let me get the exact dates on this. Hang on one second. Here you go. Yeah, in August of 2020, you're on uh, the Impulsive Podcast, episode 206, uh, which came under criticism after the two got into a heated debate, Christian values. It came to a head with a hypothetical regarding Hitler and the potential of killing him if he came back to life. Some guy was going back, and he said, do you forgive everybody? And I said, absolutely, 100%. He goes, Hitler comes back to life. You had a chance to kill him right now. Do you kill him? I go, no, Janko explained. Hitler, at the end of the day, was such a powerful speaker, so motivating and so strong in the situation. When I took this man, anybody like this man, I just don't, you know, flesh. Anyways, you guys go back and forth. Those comments were met with laughter from Logan Paul, okay, who was taken back by how ludicrous they were. Many fans downvoted the video and voiced their disappointment. And Paul's disrespectful reply Logan Paul addressed the backlash on the next episode of Impulsive Podcast where he said the podcast was a place to debate. Paul believes that while he considers Jenko a good friend, he will point out how insane his opinion was. Now, why do I bring this up? You are right now 30 years old. When this happened, you were 27 years old. This whole article is about people under 30. I don't know how many people have as much influence over people under 30 as Logan Paul. Maybe Mr. Beast, maybe a couple other guys. Mr. Beast is probably going to be number one in that category, but Logan's in that category. Why do you think 
you know, young adults under the age of 30 are not turned on by the idea of believing in a God today, and it's the lowest number we've seen in a long time in America. So much to unpack. Yeah, please. Uh, 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 so first, um, you know, that statistic of many uh, people going the wrong direction, the first statistic was ever given was in the gospel, and he said many will go through the broad way, and very few would go through the correct way, through uh, what we believe to be is Christ. Um, and for you to really submit yourself to God you have to get rid of your ego. You have to die yourself. When you really meet the creator and you realize the separation distance between God and you, it's a very humbling experience. And it changes you. It changes everything about you. It changes the way you speak. It changes the way you interact with your enemies. It changes the way that you look at life. You value the, the, the things that you didn't value before and then the things you did value you look at them and you laugh and you're like why did I even value this stuff it changes your heart um, and in the scripture he always says for those who have ears that want to hear and those who have eyes that want to see um, what are you investing in and when I grew up I, I was blessed to be in a home that's Christian but I never really invested in it but once I invested in it like your business, you fall in love with it. You fall in love with your craft. You you absorb everything into it. And young people don't want to be told what they can't do. Young people don't want, I can only have sex with one girl. Oh, wait, 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 hold on. It's wrong for me to want to go do this and go to do this. And I think what happened is there's so many people telling them what they shouldn't be doing. And there's less examples of what love is. That's why I find Christ to be so cool, dude. If you, if you, if you observe from a historical standpoint what that man was saying during the times that he was saying it, bro, he he was out outraging everyone was mad at this man. When they came up to him, they're like, hey, what's up with this and you divorcing? Like, we can't divorce people because we don't like the way they cook? And God's like, okay, well, then you're going to have to give half of your stuff. People didn't know that Jesus was standing up for women back then. People will go over here and be like, you believe in a chauvinistic religion and a God. I'm like, the person that shared the good news was a prostitute. The first person that realized that Jesus woke from the dead was a prostitute. And she was the one that went to deliver the news to the disciples. There's misinformation. Just like in this country right now, it's divided because of misinformation. There's a lot of people filling in junk in these young people's hearts. But then when they grow up to grow old, and they were like, let me weigh this out for a bit. Let me see what's actually, I think is wrong, what I think is actually mm -hmm. right. And I think young people um, are under attack because of social media. I mean, like, why would I want to get off the phone when this is giving me so much more than me flipping through my Bible? And I'm like, I, you know, I can't even understand this. Let me ask you, how much you think, uh, uh, because if you go back 20 years ago, right, we didn't have these things here. We didn't have the smartphone. We didn't have the social. So kids looked up to a pastor, a priest, or whoever's on TV. Today, they look up to, you know, the social media influencers, a lot of these younger guys who uh, most of them are not getting up there talking about God or they're not talking about faith. Because if you do, you probably would lose followership. You know, you're like, well, it's not cool. It's a lot better if I do this and if I do that and if I do this. This is a better way of me making money. I want you to think social media has turned, you know, uh, Logan Paul may be a pastor, 
in in a religion, a uh, certain form of a religion to young boys that are looking up to somebody like him. Do you think socials made some of these guys uh, in a way where they don't feel they can talk about their faith and young kids are looking at them saying, that's my hero instead of me looking up to God? I think that uh, we live like kings now. Everyone, like legit, like a, a middle-class man lives better than what King David lived like. And I think that's why God says, I, I judge your heart, not your actions. Your actions are meaningless. Your actions are limited to your accessibility, how much money you have, how much power, how much influence. That's why he judges your heart. What are you doing? When you see, and forgive me, I'm going to speak about diff, like difficult things. In front of okay. But like we look at the stuff that they're watching with pornography and what they're fantasizing about. It's corrupted. It's evil. Would they do that in real life? Would they cheat? Would they sleep with that married woman or the woman who's stuck? These are all really like hard-hitting questions. Yeah, it's, you could watch it on your iPad, but would you do that in real life? You would sleep with this man's wife when he's not around? And these people are doing what they could. When that door's locked and that lotion's next to them, they'll do whatever they want. God knows they would do that when the chance to come in front of them and the opportunity was there, they would take it. The internet just gives you the opportunity to be wild and out. You could be whoever you want online and you're protected and you have a majority of people siding with you. So I don't believe this generation became more evil because of the internet or the phone. I believe that they're accessible to be who they really are. So I think at the end of the day, phones or no phones, who they are deep in their hearts is who God's watching them out to be. So then maybe flip it. So why, why are influencers not turned on uh, by by the message that God and Christ provides? Why are they not turned on by it? You know, why is it that, you know, today, why is Andrew Tate, whom you just went and sat down with in Romania, why is Andrew Tate, pretty smart guy, this is a guy that's very good at communicating, telling stories, Yeah, he's an alpha, why is, why is he a Muslim? Why does he get up there and say the argument for Muslim is a better argument for Christians because Muslims stand up for their faith while Christians don't. Muslims don't, will defend what they stand for, but Christians don't have the backbone that Muslims have. Why, why do you think a guy like that was turned on to being a Muslim instead of being a Christian? I can't speak for another man because I don't know his shoes, right? I, I don't know what he's done. But And if a man gives me his examples by the people, it's not a very good example. But if you're giving an example of why you worship the God you worship, and these are the reasons why he's a real God and why this, this, and this, and that— and then I'll, I would be able to listen. But for you to judge my people, for example, we're sitting here talking about Assyrians, but I love Assyrians, and I think Assyrian people are good. Now, their track record right now might not be the craziest, but that doesn't define my people, right? They're separated. Now, um, uh, I, I had this in my mind, and I wanted to say it, but I want to make sure I, I word it perfectly. Uh, the first person that I realized ran the earth is when Jesus was uh, in the wilderness and Lucifer came to him and he goes, hey man, you worship me and you'll get all this stuff. That is the story that's been told for thousands of years. The people on top are not worshiping God, they're worshiping themselves and they're worshiping the material. And everybody's looking at it because Hollywood knows how to edit it and make it look beautiful. Because remember, the angel that we saw that's called Lucifer was the angel of entertainment. He was the angel of music. So a long shot is this man's probably using his skill sets to influence other people. But you have money. You have access. You have power. It gets old. And it rots up. And it goes away. And guess what? 
from your standpoint of standing here with all of your success, and I could go throw a rock at a homeless guy. You guys have the same grave. And when people really understand that, their decisions on earth change because they haven't been in your shoes. They just think that your shoes is easy and it's fun and it's fast and it's sexy, but they haven't been in your shoes. They haven't seen the struggles that you've had, the choices you've made, the sacrifices you've made. They see something on a screen and they go, I want bad girls and money, 100%. That's my God, okay? But you, this is the craziest move Jesus did to the people that didn't agree with him. Okay, uh, go ahead. Bishop Mari, question for you. It's okay, oh. so you're, you're very, you won't hold back. During COVID, you were everywhere. You call that Australia. You call that America. You call that Fauci. You call that anybody and everybody. You were not willing to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cave to the mob and the establishment. And people found you. To the average person, you're not a bishop Assyrian. To the average person, you're the man that spoke, speaks the truth. Oh, he is Assyrian? I did not know that, right? That's kind of how you're known to most people around the world. Why do you think... You know, just 50, 60 years ago, Christians, there was four times the amount of Christians as Muslims, three to four times the amount of Christians as Muslims. Now it's about one to one, okay? It's a little shy of that. Um, Christians have 2.1 kids per woman. Muslims have 2.9. Muslims are out there, you know, God forbid you say something about a, the religion of Islam, you will be destroyed by not one or two. They will come after you if you say anything about them and their faith. Why do you think the Christian religion has hit a wall and it's not growing at the levels that it was? I can give you the growth rate here, the population growth rate for Christianity. 1.18%, okay, is what it is right now, Christianity. 1.18% is what they have. Within it, the fastest growing one is 1.88% Pentecostals. Then the next one is Evangelicals. Then at the, you know, you got Catholics at the lowest one, 0.93. Catholics are grown at the lowest. Islam on fire, growing the way they are. The way it's going right now in the next 30 years, you know, majority of Senate, majority of House is going to be Muslims. Why do you think Christians have flatlined and Muslims are growing the way they are? Um, the Lord Jesus did say, when we read in the book of Revelation, he said, my church and the end of times would have walked away from me. See, when you look at the uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, um, it talks about the uh, seven churches in, in Asia and begins with Ephesus and then ends up with Laodicea. These names are all of, of Greek origin. Now, it began with Ephesus. That was the first era, the first century, which is the beloved one. But it ended up with the rebellious one. Um, I believe nowadays the church in general, the universal church in general, is not seeking the true Messiah. It has created a, a Christ that follows her instead of her following him. Um, there is so many factors that are happening within Christendom. That's why it ended up being maybe so weak. In the face of um, 2020, what was happening in the, on a global level, all church leaders maybe just a, f a few, very few here and there, all of them uh, agreed, all of them supported, and all, all of them encouraged their flock uh, to adhere to what was happening. Yet it was really um, very, very clear. Um, everything was actually planned. It was a pandemic instead of a pandemic. But the problem is the moment the church loses Christ, 
the church loses her power and authority. Everything comes from the Lord Jesus. Um, if somebody says that the Lord Jesus was, uh, was very loving, very kind, very merciful, um, he was very, very weak. In fact, uh, they dragged him the streets of Jerusalem. They kicked him, punched him, bashed him, and then they nailed him on the cross fully naked. Uh, that's to us, it's very weak. What kind of a God is that? But they do not understand the concept of love, of love. On the other hand, if there has been any man in the history of humanity that changed the history of mankind is the one and only Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He is the only one who changed the history of mankind without carrying one sword or one bullet. He changed the world with love. Love is foundational. Love is the supreme ethic. If, I, if somebody talks about my Lord Jesus uh, in, a, in a negative way, and then I go on a rampage, on a riot, and go on the streets and say, how dare you talk about my Jesus? I don't believe this is a powerful way of, of expressing my faith because Christianity, we do not defend the faith. We do not defend Christ. It is Christ who defends us. I don't, we do, I don't need to defend him. I don't need to stand and say this and that. However, however, when I am submissive to him, when I am faithful and loyal to him, when I am trying my hardest by his grace to be with him, oh no, he will give me this might and this power. Nothing, nothing worries me. Nothing can ever shake me or break me. Because when you have Christ, you've got nothing to lose. The problem with the church, it is weak because it is not reflecting the true Messiah. That's why it's weak. Why do you think that is, though? Why are they not doing that? Why are they not? Because, because the throne, the throne, we've sat on high places, and those thrones are dangerous. They can change. They can change minds and hearts. You see, it was at the time of the Lord Jesus. History is repeating itself once again. When the Lord came, he went into the temple, and that temple was his. But what did he say? He said, my, my house is the house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. You have turned it into a den of thieves. And in fact, he, he spoke about the house twice. And one was in the Gospel of John and the other one in Matthew. And in John, that was his, the beginning of his ministry. And in Matthew was the end of his ministry. In the beginning, he said, my father's house uh, is, is the house of prayer, but you've turned it into a marketplace buying and selling. But when he came to his house, he said, my house is the house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. Now, what is a, a den of thieves? What is the house associating to Jesus Christ? What is associated with Christ is glory. And what is associated with his father is love. That's why when it comes to love, there is buying and selling because you will never buy something that you do not love. You will only buy the things that you really love. But when it comes to the Lord Jesus, it's to do with glory. And what is Christ's glory? The cross. You know, it takes, it takes power for someone to deny themselves. A weak person cannot deny himself or herself. It takes wisdom, it takes power for me to deny myself and, and live for the one I love. Christ is the leading example in this. He died in order to say, I, I lived for you, Patrick, and Vinnie, and George, and me, and all of us, and the entire world. And for me to live for you, therefore I gave my life up uh, for you to say that this is the true love. In this, no one can argue, no one can fight. Maybe I can force someone to love me, but I cannot 
do it freely forcefully and when i force someone to love me the moment they have the opportunity to attack me rest assured they will never hesitate to do so but the lord wants people that choose to be with him not forcefully be with him christ is totally different to any other religious figure out there and the lord invited everyone to walk through the narrow gate he said the gate is narrow and the way is difficult, and only few find it. But this way leads to eternal life. But he said it, only few find it. So when you just see the majority there, quantity doesn't mean anything. It is the quality which Christ is looking for. The problem with the church is seeking quantity, not quality. It took one man to change the, the, the history of mankind, Jesus Christ. It took St. Paul to change uh, his, the people of his era and generation after him god can work with one to do his job i think i think that's a that's very uh the quantity versus quality argument i totally agree and 300 they were very strong but they got destroyed by a bigger army and and whatever army that gets bigger is going to have a bigger voice and able to recruit more people let me let me kind of give you sure. uh, one story this saturday uh, i get back from uh, LA and Vegas, and uh, uh, I have a swim meet for Dylan, my youngest son. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching him do his thing, and then this guy's sitting next to me, hey, how you doing? Good. So, you know, tell me your story. What do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, very cool. So what made you want to be a pastor? This, this, that. Okay, great. So so what do you? why do you think the Christian church isn't growing right now? What do you think it's flatlining? Why do you think Mormons are growing? Why do you think certain sects are growing? But why do you think the Christian church is not growing in a, you know, um, Islam has grown the way it is. Well, I think the congregations uh, needs to get more passionate about their faith. I said, interesting. <laughs> so the congregation needs to, yeah. I said, got it. Okay. I said, who's, who's leading the charge? Who's doing the inspiration? Who's doing the challenging? Who's doing the expectation? Who's selling high standards? Who's doing that today? Uh, there's not a Billy Graham. T- is it Joel Osteen? I don't see Joel Osteen doing it. Joel Man, Osteen Billy is a, Graham is no. amazing. Billy Graham, 210 million people. He was doing it when he went to LA and gave. A, uh, uh, he was preaching at Rose Bowl uh, 2003 in November, where they made it a Billy Graham day. I was there three out of the four days, and I want to listen to him. You got to see him live three times, three out of four days. Wow. So, so, so what's the, <laughs> so what's the, you know, what is the you know, uh, a person from the pulpit that's doing it. By the way, I've only had one pastor ever on my podcast and a preacher. Only one. Whether it's priest, pastor, preacher, whatever category yeah, you want, yeah. you're the only one. So why is it I've only had you? I've interviewed a lot of people over the last 10 years. Why are you the only one? Because your messaging is a message of high standards, and it's it's attractive to a father like myself that I have four kids. I think we've gotten away from that message that is not a message of the you know, the tolerant message, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Yes. You know, and then we went back in for having a conversation. Unfortunately, I couldn't finish it because I had to come back for Dylan's baseball party at the house. But um, what, what, what do you think about that part, where the leaders of many of these churches are caving to being too tolerant and accepting of everything and let anybody, and I mean, the Pope just had a group of uh, uh, transgenders over at the, uh, uh, what do you call it? For luncheon, the, like a yeah. luncheon. And then he's saying, "Hey, we, you know, we need to be asking theologians to demasculize the Catholic Church." He urges religions to unite against environmental devastation. A lot of these weird things that he is saying, which is a let's be more tolerant, let's be more tolerant, let's be more tolerant. 
So do you think that could be one of the reasons why the church isn't growing the way that it used to be? Absolutely. Um, the Lord Jesus, um, if we were to compare him to any other religious figure, I just want to come back to this point where you said Islam is growing and Christianity is not. If we were to compare, even though there is no comparison, but let us compare him for a moment uh, with other religious figures, with all love and respect. Let's say... Um, Islamism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Shintoism, all the, all the religions of the world and all the, the leaders of those religions, let's say the ultimate they could have achieved in their life uh, in relation to humanity, they would have probably achieved the ultimate by changing a bad person into a good person, by bringing some val values, morals, and what, whatever they brought with. So they would, would have changed a bad person into a good person. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, all glory to his holy name. He did not come to change a bad person into a good person. He came to change a dead person into a living one. In this, there is no comparison. Jesus Christ stands supreme, alone, and high up there, beyond any other religious figure. The problem, dear Patrick, the problem of the church leaders is one thing. The beginning, the very beginning with Christ, a relationship with Christ, it begins with death. He needs. He said, carry my cross and follow me. And this is what I said, I meant to say when he said, my house is the house of prayer and you've turned it into a den of thieves. What's associates, associated with Christ is glory. And what is Christ's glory? The cross. What is cross? Death. What is death? Self-denial. This is the human dilemma. We cannot deny ourselves. Why? Because I need to give up on the things I love, I want to do, I choose to do. For me to give up on them, I cannot. It's a struggle. But the Lord says, unless I live in you and no longer is you, you cannot make it. When the church leader puts himself on the throne and make himself seen to the congregation and to the faithfuls, He's lost himself. He's lost the flock with him. He needs to reflect Christ to the congregation, not himself. A leader that makes followers love him, not Christ, is a failure. But the leader that makes the followers love Christ through him, that is a successful leader. Today, leaders are sitting on those thrones. And by the way, that throne is Christ's. It's not mine. All of us, were we were in the pig's field. Who brought me out of that pig's field? Who brought me out of the filth of the world and the temptation of the world? The blood of the Lamb of God who was shed on Calvary. Now, when I look at the cross, that is the power of God. This is the ultimate, ultimate love when I give my life for the one I love. When I give my life for the one I love. And we see this love illustrated in a, in a very sort of small level at parenthood level. Parents. If I ask a father or a mother, why are you working so hard? What are you trying to do? I want, I'm running, I'm doing this, I'm working 24-7 nonstop because I want to provide a good future for my children. I want them to be healthy. I want them to be prosperous, successful. I am devoting my time and sacrificing that time, which is life, for my children, for their well-being. Why are you doing this? Is this weakness? No, this is the heart of strength and power. When you give your life for the one you love. The problem with the church, the moment the leader is seen, not Christ, 
There is no power in that leader. There is no power in that church. The current of the world will wash it away. And this is what we're seeing. You know, when, when pandemic hit, I always say this. I always say this. I'm not judging. If anything, I'm judging myself. I'm not judging. God is the judge. But it hurts me so deeply and, fro and so profoundly. The Lord Jesus has been crying out from Calvary on the cross for over 1600 years for the church to be united in him for the church to be united in him you see all these different factions catholics orthodoxy or eastern and oriental you see an, a protestant branches thousands of branches in there the lord is saying unite 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 till this very moment we haven't put a smile on the lord's face by uniting in his name but when the vaccine came when the pandemic came all church leaders spoke the same language amazing we did not unite for christ but we unite we united for satan now to me christ is missing christ is missing you know certain people came out and spoke about what was happening in the world i know their backgrounds it doesn't take a genius to figure out who these people are and where their backgrounds are how come like someone in this influential position who is well educated and well informed and embedded in scriptures and other and, and other fields you do not know where this is coming from. You do not know. But for you to be silent, and not only silent, I wish they were silent, but they were supportive and encouraging and standing on that pulpit and encouraging the flock to follow suit. For me, this is total denial of Jesus Christ in the making. And that's why Satan has engulfed the churches and took it away to hell. Um, <clears throat> I love when you speak, man. <laughs> I just, just want to let you know. And also you're playing that. It's like you have this sauce with you where you're like, like you're like humble and meek, but then also you got that like righteous sword. <laughs> well, we have to be. I yeah. love it. I love it. I was reading uh, Mark yesterday. I, I brought this up twice because I, I was studying because I felt like for some reason something in Mark was going to be popping up and it did. Uh, Jesus takes a few disciples up to the top to meet Moses and Elijah. And they're freaking out, man. They, they're messing up in the presence of God and uh, the prophets. They're messing up. They're like, we'll stay here and we'll build this and we'll do this. They missed the mark. And then the other disciples that are not even involved in this are down there. And then when Jesus comes back down, he goes, hey, what's up with this? Uh, I'm paraphrasing to have fun. What's up with this nonsense? What are you guys saying down here? And they're like, well, we're saying that disciple can't cast out demons. And I'm a little bit better than this disciple. And this disciple. And he goes, hey, 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 whoever wants to be first will be last. And whoever is last will be first. Amen. And then right after Jesus gets crucified, uh, and actually during it, Peter, the, the disciple, the one that everybody believes was built on, first thing, he goes, I'm going to give you the keys to heaven. And then he goes, Satan, get behind me. Immediately, God compliments him, and then he falls short because he's like, God, you don't need to get crucified. And then after the crucifixion, uh, the disciples won. They got scared. They ran away. Doubting Tom didn't get his name until he made him put his finger through his hand. These are the disciples that are consistently missing the mark. And what I'm just trying to prove is that no one's perfect besides Christ. But there's very, very broken people that are doing the wrong things, but they're still doing the will of God. Because God doesn't use perfect people for his will. He used broken people for his will. I mean, even King David was a shepherd's boy. I've heard all of these stories, guys. I mean, you're talking to a guy that's been, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, what I'm asking is a different kind of a question. I'm asking, what is, what is so much more attractive to the youth of the of the you know Muslim religion that's being attractive to them, that is getting their attention, than Christianity. What what is it from the way it's being presented that that is 
fallen more on them to say, that, you know, the, these guys seem to be more serious about it than those guys. Those guys seem to be winging it. Christians, they'll, they'll all say the right things, but, and I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the majority. Is, yeah, but those guys seem like they're true believers. They're 100% in it. Yeah. Why is that more attractive, and why is it grown the way that it is? They were far behind. It's fourth quarter. We have a three, four <laughs> touchdown lead, and then boom, tie game. I got an idea. For yeah. You. When I, when I talk to you, you you're very uh, uh, number oriented, right? You're like you want the army. Yeah. I feel like you're uh, you're everything. Everything about my life. So listen. Yeah. I, I was in LA uh, this last week. I did four podcasts, uh, five podcasts. I don't know how many I did. I did a few of them. So I was with Bradley Martin on uh, Thursday. Phenomenal conversation. Very different. He's great at his job. Then I was with DJ Vlad, who interviews hip-hop guys, you know, and we had a great time, okay? Six million subs, great conversation. Then I was with Lewis Howes, and Lewis Howes, this is the first time anyone's ever interviewed me where I break down crying. And the question is like, what question would make you cry? The only thing that made me cry is the conversation about God. My entire life is about how... Uh, uh, how much grace he's had and how much has changed my life. My confidence and whatever swagger that people think I have, it, it's only coming from one place. Amen. Period. There's no other place that's coming from. Having said that, he's wired me in a different way than maybe he's wired you or anybody else. I, I look at the world in a different sense. Mm. Um, I think generals typically think strategy and they think about how to win war. And I think there's a, if they're, if you subscribe to the thought that there's a sp- spiritual warfare going on and you're just going to go there and be whimsical about it, you're going to lose and you're going to get destroyed. You're going to have to be, I don't think Jesus said, hey, you know, just have faith and I'm going to pay your bills. Just have faith. And you guys going to know, I think he's going to say, hey, like I, I've subscribed. A big part of my life was pray as if it's up to God, but work like it's up to you. And I want to know what I can do about it. I'm already part of the faith side. I'm there. I want to know what I can do to spread the message and as well as on top of that to see why why other messages are being received stronger in a way that's getting people to say, you know what, I'm kind of I'm kind of connecting with you, I'm kind of connecting with us. I'll give you an idea. Like Bill Maher right now comes out in TMZ story. Bill Maher says, be aware of Christian nationalism. Okay, There's a lot of interesting Bill Maher says, and sometimes he just comes out. But if there's one thing about Bill Maher, he's going to tell you what he's thinking about. Okay. So Bill Maher loves the Christmas season, Xmas, not Christmas, Xmas mm. season, because it's fun, you know? But he's alarmed at all these people who embrace the religious element to a point they want to shove it down everyone else's throat. The real-time uh, host launched on the growing number of Republicans, now led by freshly minted Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, who want to turn America into a Christian state. Although Johnson and many other Republicans have promoted an official religion to the U.S., Bill notes that they've forgotten about the whole separation of church and state. You know, and then he goes into saying all these other things. You know, Bo Baird says, I'm tired of this separation of church and state junk. Seems pretty basic. The country was founded on the, on the freedom of religion. It's ingrained in our Constitution. First up on the amendment roster, yet an alarming number of Republicans are hell-bent on breaking that wall, separation of church and state. You know, so in, in, in America, like, wow, well, you know, what are you guys talking about, man? This Christmas, I just want to have fun. Don't put this pressure on me and doing all this other stuff. It's like, but imagine you did that with a different religion. Imagine you took their holidays. You're like, yeah, we don't want to do that with your God, but we're going to make it X. Like, imagine putting X over anything Muhammad did. They would well, outrage. They would course. burn down what you did. Yeah. It's disrespectful. No one should ever Kamu. do that. Kamu. Because it's written. 
It's already written. 2,000 years ago, God said this is what's going to happen. And I think what you're having a hard time doing is swallowing the fact that God said this is how it's going to happen. There's going to be less of us. And during the end time, there's going to be a lot more selfish people doing selfies, doing things that they want to do. A lot more people have a lot more access, a lot more power. It is written this way. Regardless if we all stood apart, gave up all your money, gave up all your power, gave up all your throne, it is written. It's done. There's nothing we could do about it. But what we could do is give people the good news. And if there's a building on fire, instead of you being like, there's 5,000 people in there, they're dying, there's only 4,000 people. Oh, no, no, your, your, your eyes should be locked in on saving as many people as your hands can. And your hands have the ability to reach millions. So we shouldn't really be sitting here stressed about who's walking away from us, but we should be catering to the people that are here think, with us. I don't, I don't do a lot of stress in my life. I have a very peaceful life. <laughs> you seem stressed. Uh, no, I'm uh, but, 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 but I will say, as a person that is always thinking about a, from the standpoint of a leadership's lens, you know, I want to know why a message is not resonating with an audience that it is. Could it be the fact that there is not somebody that's, uh, uh, you know, the youth is not attracted to it? Why not? It's not like others are. Because, again, to me, Mormons are growing exponentially. They have a lot of pride in what they stand for. They're, they're very loud about it. They're very united about it. They're very, you know, collective about it, and they, they protect each other. If somebody's doing something, I got your back. What business are you in? I got your back. What are you doing with this? We got you. What do you got going on? We got you, right? Muslims are the same way. So, and, and to me, on the Christian side, it's kind of like a little bit of the Assyrian side. It's kind of like, hey, you know, do your thing and all this other stuff. And there, there's, a, there's a bit of, a, in my opinion, the standards being dropped and compromising too much. Yeah. And when you're talking about if you put X with Muslim and all this stuff, you couldn't do that, no. right? So that's the part where I see a little bit of the standards of not being proud and being a little bit apologetic to kind of bring it up. And God forbid, if somebody sees me, I may be judged and all this stuff. But who's the first that are crucified? You got to remember this, right? So you're saying that like people are only giving half the news. But let me give you an example. If you had children and your son's like, this is the news, and some dude just ran up and just punched him, broke his face, kicked his ribs in. The next guy's going to be like, okay, well, this is some of the news. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because they don't want to get crucified. I think everybody else who has their opinion on what their God is or what their situation is or who they identify as or what they believe, it's supported. But as soon as you bring up Jesus Christ, you get nailed, man. You get crucified. Nope, yeah. Can so I, it's very it's very stressful for somebody to be like, hey, by the way, this is all the good stuff. And then when it comes down to the part where you know you're, this is the last guy who brought this up got beat up, it's terrifying. You're shaking because some people don't want to get killed or murdered. Because remember, Jesus said, and this is a really crucial thing, especially nowadays we're dealing with this. Just because you didn't murder a man with his cold blood didn't mean it is not the same when you murder his character. And people are murdering people's characters minute by minute, second by second. Unpack that. So let me give an example. You did so much good for your, your uh, community. But then I'm an Assyrian man. I go into my community. I'm like, yeah, Patrick, all he does is talk about himself, blah, blah, blah. This is that. He doesn't even care about the Assyrian people. He does this. Now, as an Aturai, they look at me. They go, well, you know, George works with them, and, he, and he's with them, so he knows. So then they run to the other people. Now, all these other people, like, you wouldn't believe what George said. He said, da 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 and he was with a man with uh, 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 a cloth. So you're murdering I their characters. I fully agree. I fully agree with that being one of them. Yeah. I fully agree that's one of them, character assassination, fully. Yes, Go, you were going to say something. Um, Christianity is not going to resonate in the 21st century with uh, a lot of people of the 21st century for one 
reason. But I, that's one side of the story. If, if, I, if I have the time, I want to share the other side. One is, there are three kind of cultures, if we speak about cultures, no more, no less. There is the theonomous culture, there is the heteronomous culture, and there is the autonomous culture. These are all Greek names. Theos means God, nomos law. So theos, law, uh, God's law culture. And there is hedros, another uh, law culture. And there is the autonomous self-law culture. If we were to ask this question to the human race of the 21st century, which out of these three cultures is the 21st century? Definitely would be the third one, autonomous culture. It is a self-driven culture. It's all about me, 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 me. And the Lord Jesus comes, says, it's all about Christ, not you. You need to deny yourself in order for Christ to live in you because this is the concept of love. The problem, and with all love and respect, in Islam, the concept of love in Christianity has got nothing to do with the concept of love in Islam. Totally different. What do you mean by that? Now, because you, Islam and other are called religions. Now, when you invoke the name religion, automatically you are invoking a set of rules, guidelines, laws, and regulations. You go to Islam, you go to Buddhism, Hinduism, and all of them, they will tell you, if you wish to end up in a nice place, you need to do this and this and this and this. It's all about you. You need to do it. When you come to Christianity, John 15, 5, the Lord Jesus says it and flays the foundation so so you know clearly and he says without me you cannot do anything so now when you come and you need you have to do this you have to do this and this and this to get somewhere in christianity it's not a religion in the sense of a religion because it's a belief in a person why because when you speak about love love cannot be found in law it can only be found in a person with another person in a relationship. I cannot love law because love says, if you break the law, the law will break you. But when I came to the Lord Jesus, he said, accept me in your life and let me do all the good things which God wants you to do. Let me do them through you and with you. So now when people come and ask me, like Christians, especially youth, um, I say to them, you don't have to go to church. Who told you you have to go to church? Who told you you have to pray? Who told you you have to read the Holy Bible? Who told you you have to fast? They got a shock. They go back and change color. Oh, that's coming from a bishop? Really? They feel good at, at the beginning because it's a relief. Oh, I don't have to. Thank God. I'm going to go and tell my mom and dad, get off my case. Don't ever force me to go to church. And don't tell me you have to go to church. The bishop the good-looking bishop said, don't go to church. <laughs> so now, um, but then I say to them, I'll ask you this and be honest. Do you love the Lord Jesus? If you're going to say yes, then if you love him, you have to go to church. If you love him, you have to read the Holy Bible. If you love him, you have to pray. You have to fast if you love him. So with an autonomous, with, a, with a, an auto, a self-driven culture, autonomous culture, it is very difficult to give up on me in order to live for Christ. That's one side. On the other side, again, we come back to the church of the 21st century. It is Laodicea, the final stage of the church. The Lord prophesied two, over 2,000 years ago and said at the end, my church would have gone against me. It's a rebellious church. And why it's a rebellious church? Because again, today, it's a self-driven culture. 
even in the church, even in the leadership of the church, everybody is seeking their own throne, their own glory, and their own power. Um, I, I, when, I, when I want to be sent to a church, please send me where there is a big congregation. I don't want to go to a little village with only a couple of families there. I won't be seen. But I want to be in a church where there is hundreds and millions of people that come to that church. I, with this, I feel I'm powerful. I am in charge. But that is not Christianity. That is not Christ himself. But let me say this, dear Patrick. The Christ I came to know through his grace, I'll die for him any second. I do not give one penny with all love and respect, no matter what happens, because the Christ that came and revealed himself to this piece of wreck is the only one. He is my King, my Lord, my God, my Savior, my Redeemer forever. And I will stand and speak the truth. Let the whole world hate me. I do not care. With love and humility, I say this. I do not care. You know why? Because I didn't come for people to love me. I came for Christ to be pleased with me and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Come and inherit the kingdom of, of your father, which was prepared for you before the, the creation of the world. Now, the issue is, when I come to Christ and by his grace, I give my life to him. When he engulfs, when he takes over, when he rules and reigns over my life, I fear nothing. You know why? Because the moment I don't have anything worldly, materialistically, I don't fear to lose anything. When I have nothing, I have fear of nothing. Mm. Because when I have Christ, I have everything. But the issue with Christ it is not materialistic, it's spiritual. Yeah. It is love. Now, love is the supreme ethic. I ask an atheist, a Muslim, a Buddhist, a Hindu, any human being, do you want to be loved? Everybody will say yes. You know, even when you look at the, at the serial uh, killers, even when you look at the, at the big dr uh, drug addicts and, and drug dealers, if you trace their life all the way back, back to childhood, I can assure you a huge percentage they were lacking love at their childhood. That's why they ended up who they ended up. It is the love that forms and shapes and molds a human being. It is that love that never fails. It is that love that never dies. Christ is calling us to love him. He is not calling us to follow a set of rules, guidelines, and regulations. And let me say this to all the religions of the world. You're talking about you must fast and you must do this and you must you do your penances and whatever you have to do. Let me say this. To enter in the presence of God, who can do what God wants? Who can fulfill the fullness of the law of God? We are nowhere near that perfection to do and abide by what God does. He showed that in the Old Testament, the Israelite nations. Mm -hmm. They failed him from the word go till the very end. Yeah. But he is the never failing God. His mercy that carries us, all of us as humans, regardless whether we are Christians or not. So when those religions out there with all love and respect, they talk about laws, I'll ask them, are you fulfilling that law? Of course not. You're falling very short of that law. So don't tell me you have to do this where you are failing as a leader. Your prophet failed those laws. Your own prophet failed them. Who? Muhammad and all the other leaders. Such a reporter move. And the, and the very reason why Muhammad failed, because he's dead. Their book says that. But their book also says about my Messiah, even though the Isa in the Quran is not the Christ of the Holy Bible, totally separate people. We cannot claim something that is not truthful. I know truth hurts. 
I'm not offending people, I'm speaking the truth. And if it offends you, I'm really sorry not. I'm not sorry for that. But let me tell you one thing. Your book says that Isa, son of Mary, went up to heaven alive and he will come back to judge the dead and the living. If I ask a Muslim who judges, they will say God. Well, you're telling me this prophet will judge. So which is which? Has the prophet taken the role of God? Has God gone on vacation and he's come and take his position? No, but Isa is the living Messiah. Even their book says, I speak Arabic. I read Arabic. I'm fluent in Arabic. When they say, But Isa, son of Mary, Jesus, son of Mary, is the word of God and the spirit of God. Now, let me ask you, my dear Muslim, if you're claiming Isa is a prophet, then how come all the other prophets which you believe in, you believe in Moses, you believe in Isaac, you believe in all the prophets of the Old Testament. How come none of the Old Testament prophets were referred to as the word of God except Isa? Why? How come all the prophets and every single human being on the face of this planet was born of an earthly father and an earthly mother, yet Jesus, son of Mary, was born in a virginal birth? Through a virginal birth, he has an earthly mother, but has no earthly father for his father who art in heaven. Why? This raises question marks. How come this man is different? His birth is different. His life is different. Even his end is different. He went up alive. And he will come back to judge because he is different. That's the whole story. He is different, my dear friend. You need to come and seek the true God with an open mind, open heart. Don't be fanatic about your faith. And I say this even to the Christians. The moment we become fanatics about our Christian faith, we've lost Christ. We've lost the true reflection of Christ. And you may say, well, I'm a bishop. I'm different maybe to some Christians that live in this blessed country of America who are from a Protestant branch. I come dressed up like a Ninja Turtle. I say my, I call <laughs> myself a walking tent. But hey, how, come, how come a Protestant? How come other Christians? How come a Muslim? How come a Buddhist? How come an atheist is listening to this good-looking bishop? Why? Because the day you and I, dear Patrick, and all of us, the day we give our life to Christ, surrender to him and say, Lord, it is no longer I but you. I know I'm weak. I'll fall short. I'll drift away. But please, Lord, even when I miss out, even when I walk away from you, I'm asking you now before it happens. When it happens, Lord, remember this moment when I called and I cried out to you, Lord, have mercy on me, I the sinner, son of David, have mercy on me. When I pray, when I beg him, when I cry out to him, even if I fall short, he never fails because he is the living God who was revealed in the flesh. He is the Logos, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the way, the truth and the life and there is no one else. When Jesus Christ engulfs you and you surrender to him and he takes over, you have no fear because Jesus fears no one. If they say Jesus was weak, excuse me, who said to, uh, to Herod, go and tell that fox. Who stood, who stood in front of authorities and called them the sons of the snake? Who said that? It was Jesus of Nazareth. Is that weakness? No, that is mightiness and power in its core. Why he was so powerful and blunt? Because his father was him. 
he gave his life. I'm talking about Jesus, the man, because the son of God is God. But the son of man, the perfect lamb of God, the perfect man, this man was fearless. Why? Because when this man gave his entire life to God, you fear nothing, you fear no one. Because when God is with you, who can be against you? Let me, I'll finish off with this. Jesus Christ, I not only believe in him, dear Patrick, I know him. Look, I'm a sinner. I'm the weakest ever. Believe you me, I'm talking with my head placed under the sandals of the Lord if he allows me. Because his sandals are more pure than me. But I say this with absolute humility. The Lord Jesus revealed himself to this piece of wreck. I don't speak about Jesus just because I believe I'm a Christian or I dress up in this cloth or I have read the Bible, which I have. No, I believe in the Lord and I know the Lord. He is six foot one, long face, tan skin, greenish eyes, browny, crispy hair split in the middle all the way to the shoulders with a very short beard. And after 2023 years, he is still 33 years of age and kicking baby. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yesterday he is, today he is, and forevermore he is. He is the never-changing God who was revealed in the flesh over 2,000 years ago. And let me say this to the whole world. Yes, he came over 2,000 years through a virginal birth from our Holy Mother Mary. And at, at he, and he was crucified, not he was sent up to heaven. No, he was crucified. He died in the flesh on the cross and he was buried, but rose from the dead on the third day, ascended to heaven. And he's been sitting there at the right hand of the father over 2000 years ago. And he will come back again to judge the dead and the living because he's not just a prophet for he is God revealed in the flesh. This is the Jesus I talk about. That's why I fear no one. I fear nothing. I'm not here for people to love me. I'm here for Jesus to be pleased with this vessel that he uses for his glory and his glory only. He has showed me heaven and hell. And let me say this with love and humility. When you go to heaven, I can assure you, I can assure you, not because I'm a Christian, not because I'm a bishop, not because I believe in Jesus Christ, but I can assure you, in heaven, you, Muhammad will not greet you. Buddha will not greet you. Krishna will not greet you because they will not. It, was, it will be only one who is the way, the truth, and the life. It will be Jesus Christ of Nazareth who died for you and me. I'm inviting you to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior because there is no other way. If we don't have him, we are doomed forever. For in him, eternal life lies. When you go to heaven and you meet Jesus face to face, Patrick, you come back to earth. Who cares about a president? about Anthony Fauci, Klaus Schwab, George Soros, and the likes. Who cares? With all love and respect, because when I meet Jesus, I see everyone a piece of dust. What can a man do to me? Oh, they can kill me? Welcome death. I thank the Lord for death because the death became that vehicle that took me to my sweetheart, Jesus Christ. And then I can say, I can see him face to face. No more through a mirror, no more through a maze, no more through a dream. But I'm seeing him really face to face. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be killed for your sake. So if they want to kill me, I'm here. This face, once you see it, you can never miss it, my dear. So I fear nothing for Jesus Christ is the only God. Not because I'm a Christian. Forget about Christianity. Focus on Christ. Just like 
Mahatma Gandhi, when the British ruled and, and enslaved the, the Indians, he looked at the crucified, the picture of the, of the crucified Jesus. He said, you know what? Take away the Christians, but give me the Christ, because Christ wouldn't have done what these Christians would have done. Today, Christianity and Christians are not reflecting the true Christ. But the moment any Christian reflects the true Christ, you draw the whole world to you. Why don't we look at that? As I mentioned, all glory to the Lord. How come this odd-looking person in America with this outfit, how come... People are listening to him because when you let Christ speak, oh, the Holy Spirit can penetrate any heart and any mind and any soul. No one can stop God for he is the supreme authority. You know, I would say I think the only that was powerful um, when you say Fauci and Klaus Schwab, they would probably want to know if everybody in heaven is vaccinated. That's what they would That's want to know. That's their It's very important. It's very, <laughs> are, very important. They are vaccinated by the blood of the Lamb of God. This is the antichrist. <laughs> he has bars on you guys, Yeah, he bro. does. Um, yeah, I couldn't believe it. want to know if, if uh, you know, everyone's vaccinated to make sure they're safe. It would be very important for everyone to be wearing masks in heaven. No. Uh, you, they will not shut this mouth with a mask. Let me tell you, my dear friend, the only one who can shut this mouth is Jesus Christ who gave this mouth. The only one who gave me this tongue is the one who's going to take it away, no one else. So until the day Jesus calls it the day for this piece of wreck, you are nothing. I am nothing. All of us are nothing. Jesus, I'm inviting you, Klaus Schwab, to come back to the Lord. Because let me tell you one thing. All of us, we will die one day. No matter what you do, how rich you are, and you may conquer the world. Where is Augustus Caesar? Where are the pharaohs? Where are the Assyrian kings? Where are the, Ro the Macedonian empire? Where is the Roman empire? Where is the Persian and the Medes empire? Where are they? Gone with the wind. Never seen. But where is Christ? sitting at the right hand of the Father, and still conquering, and still ruling, and there are millions of, of people coming to Christ as we speak. Now, this to me is power. This is what happens when you bring uh, four different Assyrians from different backgrounds, from different parts of the world together. And a good the look Holy Bible. Bible. That's right. Yeah. Name sponsor today. Go ahead. I love how you drop. The good-looking bishop from Australia, oh, twice. multiple times, not multiple, twice, like multiple that's times. That's God's work. Has right to be there. proven. By the way, uh, uh, Rob, do you have that link uh, for uh, Bishop Mari, uh, 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 the GSAS? Can you put that up there, promoting the Good Samaritan Aid Society? For anybody that uh, listened to this message and you like to support, Bishop Mari is asking, you know, if there's any way you want to help, this is one way of doing it. You can donate here on this website. Yes, the Good Samaritans Aid Society. Can I also Vinny, say one thing too, Pat? As my as my friend, as my brother, tomorrow is yeah. your day, isn't it? What the book? Choose your enemies wisely comes out tomorrow. Amazon, yeah. Barnes and Noble. You're signing a thousand copies this Saturday at uh, Barnes and Noble, and they can get those at uh, valuetainment.com, Correct? You guys are giving them. How's that? How's that? No, gonna they happen? have to buy it at Barnes and Noble, and I'll meet them at, there. But they can oh. order right now Amazon all over the place. That's only for the people that are in Florida. But tomorrow okay. the book comes but out. But this is coming you out can tomorrow. On Amazon. Yes. I'm proud of you. Congratulations, I appreciate Pat. you, man. I I, Pat, is... I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not reading anything. I'm going to listen to you when I drive. <laughs> but I like but it. not at night because you got that soothing, like, I'm going to crash. But, Pat, I'm proud of you. God bless you. This my is man. This is awesome. My man. By the way, this is so cool, man, for us to do this. I appreciate everybody coming out. You. you had the longest drive. It was, uh, you know, you were three exits away. Some of us were half an exit away. Some of us live here. But uh, with you're a Syrian or not, our audience is not an Assyrian audience.
So 99% of people that were listening today, matter of fact, run a poll, Rob. Can you run a poll? Yeah. Are you a Syrian? It's just simple. <laughs> yes, no. What's okay. a Syrian? Hey, that's the question. What's, a, <laughs> what's a Syrian? Oh, yeah. God. Go watch that. Run a poll. I'll bet you point zero 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 four percent I think we have to wait just 30 seconds because I just want to know. I'm very curious. I, I actually want to know what percentage. I'm going to say, how, so how all, much would you guess? Syrian dads are like touching the screen. One? They're like, yeah. how do I? Yeah, how do you, what would you get? If you had to guess, uh, Bishop, if you guys you, had to guess. I think it's 98 to 2. It's probably 99 to 1. What do you Wait, think? Oh, like, but be, that are listening right now? No, 99 are going to be non-Syrians. Oh, I'm going to say that there's five, it's 5% five, five are Rob, did you run the poll? I'll say 5%, George. Where, Where can I at? see it, Rob? Do I go? I think a lot of the series that are watching are probably watching it. Like, their their kids put it up on a TV. <laughs> so oh, wow. Really no nine, way. 19%. No way. Sudayat, we're growing, baby. No and just way. like that, wow. Babylon's back. Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> like that. We, all it took was one podcast. <laughs> it took one podcast, one bishop, one George, and Pat. Wow. 80-20 wow. is serious. Wow. That's pretty impressive. I'm impressed. All right. Okay. Impressive. Well, go. fair enough. This is good. We're making progress, Sudayat. folks. Stand up. Bishamari, thank you so much for coming out. Jenko, thank you. thank you for coming out. Always a pleasure. Thank this you. This was a blast. Take care, everybody. Bye bye, bye bye, bye bye. Wow. Guess what?